Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Heavenly Father, this is just absolutely amazing. We waited a whole year plus, a year plus, just to be able to do what we've just done here now. This music is unbelievably strong. Praise the name of the Lord our God. Our hearts will sing how great thou art. We are so grateful just to experience this anointed atmosphere is like something else. It's like a hunger that people have waited for months to experience again. Right now I feel such a powerful presence of God in this building. It is absolutely amazing. And if this is like a preamble towards Pentecost at the end of the month, then I don't know where we're going to end. But let this be noted. Let this be said that we broke through this night into the presence of God Almighty. Yes. And let it be noted and let it be said, already people have been touched by God and healed. Already people have come into this place with bondage and they've already been set free. Because the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. For the Lord is everlasting. In Him there's no shadow of turning, no variableness, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He will guide your heart if you will allow Him fully in total surrender to be guided by Him. You allow the Almighty God and make every plan that you have for your future a God plan. Because so many plans are not God's plans. Therefore, we run ourselves into trouble. And so, Father, we pray that you give us that discernment and all the anointing of the Holy Spirit to discern the wisdom to discern. The Apostle Paul writes about in all wisdom and understanding, discretion, discernment, that, Father, we will not make the mistakes that cost us. We will make the mistakes that will glorify you. And you will have the plan, and you'll have the place, and at the right moment, you'll also have the provision. For we have plans, you have a purpose, and we have intentions, and you fulfill it if it's godly. And so, Father, teach us to live according to your spirit, and according to your word, and according to your plan and purpose for our lives. And keep us from drifting out of the will of God. For many have gone astray. Many in this hour have gone astray. And they're not in the will of God for their lives at all anymore. They become lazy and part of the world system. And there's great danger, says the Lord. For from eternity it's foreordained that some be given over to the condemnation and the destruction and have a fearful expectation of their future. So therefore the word says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come to you and return to the house of the Lord. Dov Shabbat, return, repent, return. 
Come back to the Lord. Come back to His house. Rededicate your life. Don't be like a roller coaster. Decide. I say like Elijah once said. Who do you want to serve? If it's God or mammon. If it's God or idols that are so, so everywhere available to so many people. Such a variety of things that people find their pleasure in. But there is death in that pleasure. There's nothing but death in that pleasure. And it ends in misery. But who does the will of the Lord Almighty God. Lives and abides and is blessed forever. For the Lord speaks and he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the people. Be consecrated and dedicated. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And you that have drifted off into the world, yes, I'm speaking to you, says the Lord. You've drifted off into the world. Don't you know that I know? Don't you know that I know exactly where you are tonight in a place where you should not be? But I ordained it that you would look at this particular program and you watching me on a cell phone tonight and you know very well that you are busy playing with the fire of hell. Turn back, says the Lord, and approach me. Draw near to God and I will draw near to you. And you will search for me, you will search for me, you will search for me, and you will seek me, and you will find me if you search for me with all of your heart. Give the Lord a praise offering right now. Amen. I want to tell you this band here, every one of them, I love them to bits. I don't know what to do with them. I think I must put a big tent or structure there at the house and put them all in there with accommodation, the yellow caboodle, everything. And they can just make music all day long. It's what King David wanted. It's what I also want. Can you say amen? Well, you'll all be jealous if I did that. Amen. Well, God bless you. you. may take your seats. Thank you very much. Much beloved band. Now, Theo's brother is here tonight. And I know he's here. But he's here to check on Theo. That's why I got him here. Huh? Oh, David. Yeah, David. David. All right, okay. So now, I go to First Kings chapter 19, and uh, I pick up in chapter 19, verse number 8. So Elijah rose, and he ate, and he drank, and he went in the strength of the food that the angel provided him. An angel of the Lord came back, touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. And he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Do you ever think about that? There are mountains, and each of those mountains have a message. One day I should preach about that. Every mountain in the Bible that are significant mountains have got a specific message. This one, the mountain of God. First Kings 19, 9. 19 verse 9. And then he went into a cave and he spent the night in that place. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him. How wonderful that is. 
Man, I saw some things tonight in the speaker's lunch. I was just praying there. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Of course, the Lord knows what he's doing there. And uh, now he's there at the mountain of God. And if you go to Mount Horeb in the wilderness there, uh, in Sinai, in the Sinai Peninsula, these days they say that there's another Mount Horeb and that is at uh, the areas of uh, Saudi Arabia. I got a problem with that because my archeology span tells me a different story. And of course, we're not part of the confusion. And so on the side of the mountain, there's a clear cave and there's some cypress trees growing there. On what, I don't know because there's no water there. But they are standing high, said to be the place where this, at this cave, where Elijah had the Lord address him. Now the, the word of the Lord came to him and um, the Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And uh, so Elijah, Eliyahu, said these words. I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. And right now there are many people who are Christians that call themselves Christians and they've drifted off in the world. And the devil achieved quite a thing in doing just that, getting people to drift away. Make them lazy, make them worldly. Maybe we'll watch the church service sometime. In the midst of every kind of distraction, they They've torn down your altars. And for us, there remains one altar, that's the altar of prayer. Saturday this morning, prayer Saturday morning, they've gone by beautiful crowd that was in here they pray they pray they're seeking god it's amazing to see all the people come in for prayer torn down your altars killed your prophets with the sword i alone am left and they seek to take my life verse 11 then he said go out and stand on the mountain before the lord and behold the lord passed by and a great and a strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, there came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. I've often said this and I've often believed this. Then if you want to hear the Lord's voice clearly, You've got to quiet down your life. And people are too, there are too many signals running like that through their minds. Everybody's got an opinion. I just want one opinion, and that's the Word of God. What does the Word say? So if you attend, if you incline your ear to my words, attend to my sayings, in other words, what I'm saying, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Preserve them. And it says that if you do that, and if you preserve it, God over your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. They life, these words, to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. 
So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. Now mantle was normally just a loose garment that you carried with you. You could even use to sleep underneath when you have your rolled up bed that you carry under your arm. He just traveled through the desert, no water, no nothing. 40 days, 40 nights of the strength of the angel food. Wrapped his face in his mantle. And he went out, stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, Adonai Sevaot. Literally. Because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life in addition to all the things of evil that they've done. Then the Lord said to him, go now, go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hatzel, king of Assyria. And you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimsi, as king over Israel. Now notice, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Mechulah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Do what with him? Anoint as prophet. Now, this word you anoint is Meshach, which is to anoint something. And uh, from that comes Mashiach. And Elisha was a type of the Messiah. Elijah would prepare the way of the Lord in the final hour. One of the two witnesses broadly believed, I believe that altogether. And um, if I look at Jewish sources and what their commentaries say among them, and if I look at the Christian world, and if I then look at the ancient books, the most ancient books that exist, then I see that um, there are two people that stand out. Now, many say, well, you know, it's Elijah and, uh, and Enoch. No, it's not Elijah and Enoch. They use the expressions appointed all men to die one, once and then comes judgment. Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. Such a great desire in my heart. And he was not for God just took him. But if you look at Revelation chapter 11 and you see the characteristics of these two characters that are called the two olive trees of all the earth, the two witnesses of the book of Revelation, Moses is the one that will reintroduce the Ark of the Covenant that is in Israel, in an undisclosed place. Undisclosed place. You shall anoint him. Now, if I say, tell me, what does that word anoint mean? It's the word Mashiach, from Mashiach, Mashiach. It means, and I read here from the Brown Driver Biggs definition, um, dictionary it says to shield or paint or smear to shield with anointing oil go and shield that man walking there by the oxen with the name of Elisha you happen to be your servant go bring a shield over him now, this is a very key word to understand here at this point in time. So he goes along, and of course he does that. And um, then Elisha, uh, 
at once followed him. First foremost, he said, let me go greet some family. And um, Elijah said, what have I got to do with you? It's not my calling, it's the Lord's calling. He left everything, destroyed those yoke on the oxen, had a family braai there, and he was in the trail. And he would become the next double portion prophet with the double portion of the anointing that was on the prophet Elijah. Now, with that being said, uh, we now see that he spent his time with Elijah. He poured water on the hands of Elijah. He helped him in so many ways. He stood, he watched him. There's a cave on Mount Carmel on the side of the sea, the Mediterranean Sea, the cave of Elijah. Whenever we have taken people to go there to Israel, we normally take them there. And there's this cave. And uh, if you walk out the cave, you're on the ridge and you look out over the Mediterranean Sea. Said to be the, the home, the dwelling place of Elijah. Been there many times. Beautiful view there over the sea. And um, now having served him for a period of time, now Elijah is coming to the end of his ministry. He's about ready to be taken up into heaven. And um, Elijah walks with Elisha and uh, he says to him, now I'll tell you what, wait here because the Lord sent me to Gilgal. He says these words to him, this second Kings chapter number two. He says, as the Lord lives and my spirit lives before you today, I will not leave you. I will stay with you. I am not going away. I'm staying with you. So the sons of the prophets were watching all of this at a distance. Now from the days of Samuel, they had what is called the sons of the prophets. These were all people that watched and hoped that they would one day be anointed with the same kind of anointing. And I tell you right now, it takes a big price. See? That's why Elijah said to him, you've asked a difficult thing when he asked for the anointing in double portion. Then he says, I need to go to Gilgal. Now, each of these places that he mentions, they have got a prophetic meaning, but that's not where I'm steering towards. And then from Gilgal, he says, stay here, I'm, I'm going down at Jericho. And every time he says the same words. And um, he says, as the Lord lives, and I live. I'm telling you now, I am not leaving. I'm going with you. And of course, the sons of the prophets, they got a flow. There's, there is... When you come into an area where there's a strong prophetic anointing, there's what we call a corporate anointing. And they're starting to pick up. They said, did you know that the Lord is going to take Elisha away from over your head today? And what he basically says to them, keep quiet. Zip your lips. Keep quiet. Now, very important. Um, they now head towards Jordan River, and he just sticks to him. And 2 Kings 2 verse 8 is where I actually want to pick up. Because I want to focus on stuff here. And Elijah took what? His mantle. Same mantle wherewith he covered himself when he was in the very presence of the Lord Almighty God. He wrapped it Elijah. Not Elisha, Elijah now. 
wrapped it together and he smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. Think about that dry ground. Not mud, dry ground. That tower, God's got tower over every bit of soil, ground, every atom of H. O2 water in other words and they went over on dry ground what did he do took that mantle that very self same mantle which he carried over his body all the time whilst he was ministering and doing the work of the Lord Elijah took off his mantle most probably used it as a blanket at night now down there by Jericho it's warm because you're 400 meters under the sea level. It's warm there all the time. And now he hits that water, smoke the water, strikes it, and the water just divides. Instantly. He just walks. And the two of them went over on dry ground. And it came to pass that when they were gone over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now remember, you can also get a double portion. The anointing comes in double portions also. Depends on how serious people get with God. And you will seek me, and you'll search for me, you'll seek me and find me, if you search for me with all your heart. But there is a process involved. Let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, if thou see me. If you keep your focus on this senior leading prophet, Elijah. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen thereof, and he saw him no more. He took off, now notice, his own clothes, right there and then. Like the high priest would remove when finally replaced by a new high priest, his outer garment. When uh, on Mount Horeb, um, Aaron died, his garment was taken off him, the high priest garment. Now, he took off his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. But, in verse 13, he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took that same mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he smote the waters and said, Where is the God of Elijah?
And when he'd spit in the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. Now when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him. But notice one thing that happened here. In verse number 12, 11, chariot of fire appearing and um, horses of fire. Imagine that, horses of fire. And notice the first words of verse number 12. Elijah saw it. He said, if you see me, so shall it be for you. Elijah saw it. So he got what he wanted. And in the process of departure, Elijah just drops that mantle. And he picks it up. And the moment it makes becomes his covering, from that moment in time, the self-same anointing came upon him in double portion according to his request. Now, one of the things that has been fascinating me for some period of time is just exactly that. There are certain things that keep the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we see, as we will see, because time won't allow me to do that extended, but we'll get down to the New Testament here also. When we see that, we know for a biblical truth fact that cloth is capable of carrying the anointing. And it stays there. That's just a fact. Now I've seen people do very funny things. They pray over, I'm not joking, this is really serious. They pray, pray over a box of chocolates and they send it to somebody that's sick. It's not gonna work. But they come and they ask me that, uh, I'm just thinking back in the days of the tent even, to anoint a cloth for them. And I take the cloth, pray over the cloth, hold it against my body and put, give it back to the person. As I drop it through the air to the person, the power of God hits that person down. Have you seen that, Tienz? You experienced that. The power of God just goes straight into that cloth and it stays there. Now, how long do you suppose it stays there? And how long do you think the power of God can remain in something or upon someone? See, the power of God, obviously, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you do the right things, right things, right, the abiding anointing comes upon you. How long do you think it stays? Now, here's a man with a double portion of Elisha. Elijah. And Elisha now performs twice as many miracles as Elijah. But unlike Elijah, there comes a time when he's going to die and he dies. And in 2 Kings chapter number 13, 20, we read, then Elisha died and they buried him. And the raiding bands of Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. 
So it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders. And they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. Put the man in the tomb of Elisha. They must just dumped him. Here people coming in, they're coming in for a kill. Band of raiders coming in from Moab. They put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived, dead no more, and stood on his feet. All right. So you must know there's a period now of time that it passed. Because there's a whole procedure in the Middle East. You go to Israel, you find that, that there's, when they deal, like at Mount Horeb, with people that died, there's a time they, they just go and pick up the bones and put them in a small box that they made out of the clay, like all the other stuff, clay pots and things. And they just put the bones in there. And so you find them all over Israel. You find the, find the, the bones of certain people, like Zechariah's tomb is there. And uh, you, you, you find that these bones are of people that's like kind of long time dead. Now a dead person comes on the bones. The anointing comes all the way down to the bones. Now how long must you be dead that only bones are left? See? And those bones have enough resurrection power to bring back a person that died for whatever reason. Heal him and get him back to life. You ever think about that? How long does the anointing abide on a holy man and a holy woman of God? How long? See? Now there are things involved here which I find absolutely extremely inspiring because to start off with you think about it one of the functions of the bones and uh, two doctors sitting in the front here bones in the marrow is one of the places where blood comes from right right Dr. Dennis here's both of you say yeah and the life of the flesh is in the blood and so God's life went all the way. Do you know when the anointing comes upon you, it goes all the way into your bones? Did you know that? You know, there's, there's the story that uh, like the cloud, the shroud of Turin, if, we, if it's true, I don't know. But it's actually an amazing thing then. Because like there's an image burnt out on that thing. Whether it was really, I do not know, I can't tell you. I do not want to thumb suck. I don't want to give an opinion even. But the fact of the matter is you can imagine the power of God that was upon the Messiah when he was raised from the dead. You can imagine. You can only imagine. Do you know what power was in the cloths? Where were they covered him? 
You know what towers in the bones of a dead prophet? Long time gone. Dead man, they've got a funeral. They drop him in there, he falls right on the bones of Elijah and he's alive again. The anointing remains in certain things. Now, once your life has been configured correctly, then the anointing becomes maximum. And there is a... Now, I spoke about what Dr. John G. Lake said, electricity is akin to the flow of the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you take the whole of the flow of the power of the Holy Spirit, once you are in a certain state of surrenderedness and sacrificial attitude of life, once you're there, that anointing goes right into your bones. Stays long time after a person's dead, still there. Because that entire life was holy unto the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And what about the cloths? Now we'll get down to that when we get to the place of talking about Jesus Christ the Lord himself. And I'm just thinking, you know, I don't want to run ahead of myself. They take, for example, this for a moment, just we'll get to Jesus, to our Lord. But this, for example, take Acts 19, 10, 11. It says, now God worked, worked, wrought, worked special miracles by the hands of the apostle Paul, that even when the aprons, the handkerchiefs that were on his body were taken to the sick, that the demons departed and they were healed. Amen. Acts 10, 38. Our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Oppressed. Loaded with burdens of the devil. And it's very interesting when it talks about demons departed. That literally in the Greek tells you that they are, they just, Gave up whatever they were doing and just fled. If you go into that, you make a study of that, the Greek is just amazing. The, the, literally, one dictionary says, because it goes through all these things, it says, it says, they abandon what they've been doing. They abandon. Saying, this is not going to work out here. There's the fire of God in this place. Out. You take the cloth from the body of the apostle Paul or one of the handkerchiefs put it on that person that sick and a demon flies out takes off on a very high speed abandons that job he was doing to destroy that person's life so how long do you think the anointing abides now I remember back in 1988 I started the early morning prayers and then also Saturday morning prayers. 
And I said the Saturday morning prayers, 7.30 to 8.30, we planned it. So it would be before the working hour for those people that work. And uh, I wanted it like that, that I could catch the people before they go to work. Come and pray first, then go. And uh, we prayed. Now, we did like four hours of prayer nonstop every morning of the week. And then plus the Saturday morning prayer. And then on Sunday, I would have the intercessions, do intercession while I'm ministering. And uh, there, was a, there was a wave of Satanists in that time. And many of these counters of these spirits came out of people. And um, I remember those days that this is taking place. And we, we had a, a, in Lindhaven, we had a, a soundproof prayer room. And um, I got like a yellow, I wonder whatever happened to that little blanket. It was like a baby blanket that I got from Maud. Because nice and soft, you know. And you, you know, you pray four hours. You you know, after four hours, if you if you what we did is, I would go against the wall, put that blanket down there, a little baby blanket, and just lie on it, and just on my face before God, pray, get up, call out the next team. There'd be about ninety people, and every morning came in to pray with us. At varying times, we'd count about ninety people in the mornings. We went on right through the year. And uh, I remember that little blanket. Now get up, pray. And then we, we, that's where the walking in the, in the prayer sessions come from. Then to circulate your blood. Because a lot of people, if they lie down, Dr. Dennis, they get sleepy at time of the morning. Hey, Ify, they just want to sleep instead. And coffee doesn't cut it always. The bed does. Unfortunately, because the flesh wants to sleep. See, so I just lined that blanket for like, I call one theme because remember, remember now we're talking four hours of prayer. One theme, pray in tongues over that theme for about 20 minutes and then walk and lie down and walk and lie down, call out the next theme, walk and lie down, quote verses, go on, next theme. That's what we do here on Saturdays now. We're not on the webcasts anymore, so we, we're free to go back to that style of prayer, like in the old days. I would lie in that blanket, and there was a rack for whatever purpose, like a little rack with, with, with uh, like drawers, but it's open. And I would fold my little yellow blanket and put it into that rack. Following day, I would find people that come there, and they'd find the blanket they come and sit with because they were feeling sick. There they get healed to take it off and put it back again. It's the truth. Why? Because the anointing stays in that cloth. See, demons come out of people like that. Because the anointing remains. Now, what do you think happened with that mantle that fell? I mean, what Elijah did there was, I believe, intentional by the will of God. And with purpose, because he had to go into it and he threw him his mantle, just dropped it. If you go to that church there on Mount Carmel, you look at the roof, beautiful design, you see the chariot departing, and you see Elijah with a mantle and he drops it. It's painted on the roof. I just love it, you know. And then you go into the cave, do a little prayer meeting right there. Just love it. So he caught that mantle. Catching the mantle that covered the prophet was catching 
exactly what he was asking for. You better know he would get rid of his clothes and put that on. When he walked, the sons of the prophet saw him coming and they said, why did they know that? One of the prophets are gone. Elijah is gone. They said, you don't you know the Lord will take your master away from over your head today? Here he comes back and now he's changed clothes. He's wearing Elijah's mantle over him. He's walking with the same mantle as the prophet. Bang! Conclusion, two and two makes four. There's the man with the anointing. Recognized him. Got the same mantle. Now, I'm not going to take it very much further than that. But you know, there's, there's a verse that, maybe I'll just leave this with you as we build up towards Pentecost. There is a verse. And the verse says like this. In 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest I preach to others and I myself be found to be a castaway. But if you take it in the Amplified, particularly in the Living Bible, the Old Living Bible, you get the New Living Translation, you get the Living Bible. I must say, I think both of the, those translations I checked, they paraphrase Bible, but they say the same thing. Take my body and buffet it like a boxer. Beat it into the right spiritual discipline shape. See, bring it, this flesh, into subjection. So now, Paul is giving a major key there. Because that body of his that went through such, you take cloth from that body and throw it upon anybody that's sick, a demon goes out. They get healed. So, the vision, the aspiration, the hope of glory concerning this is like this. I'm going to take hold of this body, bring it into subjection. Cut out the works of the flesh. Galatians 5 verse 19 to 21. Then you have verse 22, the fruit of the spirit. And bring the works of the flesh, you hear more of the works of the flesh, of course, Romans chapter number one, verse 18 to the end of chapter number one. You find that uh, more of a description of more of the works of the flesh. And uh, so, the moment I've got, now hear what I'm going to say now, I've said this to many people, I've said even to myself over and over. The moment I am in, I have overcome myself, I can overcome anything in my environment. I take this body and I bring it into subjection. When you overcome yourself, you've got command of your environment. So what's the story about COVID now? Because you've got command of your environment. Can you say amen? amen. Well, it's either my amen or my oh my or something, you know, but it's amen. And amen means faith. Aman. Faith. Everybody say amen. amen. Do you believe that? That it's necessary for us to control our bodies. Bring it into subjection. 
Now therein lies one major key because the moment you give your life to the Lord, he dwells within your heart. Now you've got to renew your mind. So you take the word of God and you literally bombard your mind and you renew your mind with the word of God. But you still have the flesh that was king up to that point in time. Now the flesh, no more the king. Now the flesh becomes the slave. And you bring it into subjection. Like a boxer, like an athlete, you buffet it. But there is something about it. As any believer, I want to call it the sacrificial believer. Pure love of God kind of thing. You love God so much, you take your body, you bring it to that place. It becomes completely holy unto the Lord. The anointing begins to saturate you. And the anointing saturates you more and more. So that eventually, you would, I've done that many times, just blow on somebody. And the power of God hit them and they would be down by the power of the Holy Spirit like a lightning bolt that struck them. And the most amazing thing is this. You know, I've gone through many times, many times in my life that I've gone through periods of time that now, and I'm sure, I was thinking on my way to church tonight, uh, we were driving in the, in the car, motor was driving, my mind was going, and I'm thinking, you know what, how many times did I not get a sudden request to pray for somebody? Now, I did not particularly pray up at that moment in time, as they would say, get ready, pray for the anointing. Just pray, 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 pray. Now I've got the anointing. I feel the presence of God. Only now I can go and minister to somebody that's sick. You know, Dr. Dennis? Only now I can go. No, 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 not so. I'm sitting, minding my own business, going through the Bible, sitting there. We're in a, a little children's home out there in the AFM church in those days. Maud and I went there. And uh, I started studying that days in the AFM Theological College. And uh, so we, we, we're living there and uh, I, I, I'm just praying for people. And somebody phoned suddenly from Newcastle in a tell. I remember that, it's a lady. She says, pray for me now, I got cancer. Now I can't say, okay, my sister, I, you know, I'm sorry about this, but you know, I need to now first go and pray for an hour or two. See, you gotta come to that place where you are in such a discipline of self. Not others, self. That you become an imparter of God's power. Now, the word that came to me tonight, the back here, is you become a human conduit. You know what a conduit is? Go and check that word. It's like a channel. It's like a funnel. It's like, a, like a, an outlet of the flow of the power of the supply of the Spirit through your life like that just goes all the time all the time in the moment you focus on anything I've seen this happen to me many times just focus on somebody now either I get a revelation of what goes on there or if I'm now really flowing in the spirit that um, when you focus on the person you pray for that person let's call it cancer there and you call God and you pray for that person you literally feel like that conduit, like I spoke about 
what Dr. John Hulake said, you like a, you become like a, a, a like a, a, you know, a, a catalyst is what water is using, like uh, electricity that's flowing through a channel of, uh, of uh, uh, some substance that is uh, able to carry electricity, electricity like, uh, for example, uh, in the case of copper. But as a human being, now saturated with the power of God, you're a conduit. And the moment you pray, there's a release of that power towards whoever you're busy praying for. It's just happening like that. See, it's just amazing. You just speak a word. I mean, Paul is on the island of, of, of uh, uh, just, um, what is it, Crete? And there they went to a place. There was the governor of the island, Sergius Paulus. Yeah. Yeah, it's Crete. And, uh, and, and, he, and he wants to hear. He's, uh, the Bible says he's an intelligent man. In other words, a man of great understanding. Understanding, intelligent Old Testament. And uh, so he had, had a, a keen interest in there, and he could understand. Wanted to hear from Paul. Then, of course, there's the sorcerer. And he's trying to withstand him and interrupt him and carry on with him. And Paul, now he's a human conduit. The flow of the Holy Spirit is powerful through his life. See, just like that. He says, you son of the devil, will you forever resist the will of God? Therefore, the hand of the Lord is upon you. You will not see the light of day. You'll be struck with blindness. And he was struck right there, went down with blindness. I'll close with this story. Many years ago, 1988 also, there was a girl, remember? She was full of demon spirits. She was a Satanist. Don't want to get into too much detail about her because there's names involved. And she was sitting in the church like in the, about that position there. Don't worry, you're innocent. And I saw she started doing that and that and her face was busy contorting. And I said, that woman, take out, cast the devil out of her. I'm not going to have the church service disturbed. So they went out with her. They took her out. And there was a little counseling tent at the back of the big tent where the cloud of the glory of the Lord appeared once there. Amazing sight. And uh, there she was. There was a cement floor. And there's a, like a carpet, like the same type of carpet that's on these floors. And she was lying on her back. And so I end the service, and I go out to my car, and I see there's a whole crowd there by that woman there on the ground. So now, just this, what's going on? I said to Mon, just wait a minute, I'm just going to go there. I remember I still had a red and white Volkswagen microbus. Man, I was swanky with that thing. Then I had a second one and a third one, and I said, no, I'm becoming a bus, a bus driver. I, I'm going to cut this out. I'm going to drive a normal car and be swanky now. And uh, I remember I got in that red and white car and I said, just wait a minute, let me go and see what's going on there. And she was on the ground, this woman, and she was resisting everything that was going on there to try to get the devil out of her. I walked up there and I looked at her. And uh, the moment that thing saw me, he said, you're the one we're after. I said, really, devil? You think you're going to get me? No, I'm going to get you now. Now, because you have challenged me as a servant of the Lord, and you have challenged, you've dared to challenge the house of God. This is the church of the living God. 
because you've done that. Therefore, the hand of the Lord shall be upon this woman. And you struck with blindness, not see the light of day until you've repented or unless you repent. On the floor there, Pastor Tien's blind right there on that moment. They picked her up. I remember seeing her taken to a car. Two men on both sides. She was just dragging along. She couldn't see where she was going. As a witch sitting in Krugersdorp that was performing the witchcraft using her as a human chalice, right? She was struck with blindness at the same, very second, same second. She was struck with blindness and she died six weeks later. That girl came to the Lord that night, midnight. And the moment she gave her heart to Jesus, the blindness left her. See, you don't fool around with the things of God, you know. Now, I need to bring this to an end. But let me tell you this. Let me be very clear about this. If you overcome yourself, you can overcome anything else. And the moment you've got the anointing, then major things happen. Now, this verses are pouring into my mind again, and I can't talk about it because I'm going to have to keep it back now. But there's some clarity examples in the Bible of exactly just that, what I'm talking about. Once you've got command over yourself, you have command over your environment and any demonic threat. No matter what the devil wants to throw at you, you can overcome it. There's no problem. See? And does the anointing leave you? If you leave God, you forsake God, then of course, he gives a man time to repent and a woman, he gives a woman time to repent. But the anointing never leaves. I've walked into places. We went out there at the time of my birthday, Maud took me to a lodge and uh, just to bless me at a lodge, went down to the lodge and the manageress of that lodge said, won't you come and minister to the staff? Because there's nobody in the whole camp, whole lodge, except me and Mort. So I said, okay, bring the staff together. Bring the staff together. And so I speak to the staff, just talk. You know, I'm, I'm now busy having holiday. I'm in paradise extension one. It's the low felt. I'm going to go on a game drive now. I didn't come and first talk to the people. So I stand there, I'm just casually talking to them. And after that, I pray for them. Now the manager is sits there and there's another lady that sits there. One of the cleaners there that go around. Because I saw the, that same lady again afterwards. And uh, both of them said the moment you prayed there was a bright light that appeared like that. Bright light like that. See we know God showed up. Well you know what I didn't pray up for six hours before the time. How long does the anointing abide? How much do you want the anointing? The shield of the anointing on your life. I present to you Pentecost is coming. But you know we all have to do, and I'm closing with this, we've got to do some, some house cleaning. Right? Right? 
I want to have one song, but I want a very anointed song, like, oh, the glory of your presence, we your children give you reverence. So arise, come on, Molly, get up here, please. And uh, then I want to make a prayer and release. May the Lord help me to release power towards the people, even in this night. How many of you want to be saturated with the anointing? I think you kind of desire us of that now. How many of you want to walk around and find yourself in a position where somebody passes your office? You know that happened to me? I was still working in the world. A man walked past my office door in the world now. I just finished studying at the university now, of, and now I'm in, in AFM Theological College. A man comes past the door and he catches a speed wobble. And he says, oh, I was so terribly sick. I passed your door and I'm healed. What's wrong? I said, nothing's wrong. Everything's right now. But the presence of God surrounds you. There is a presence. I've had people come into my house and say, I was sick when I knocked on the door. I stepped into the house and I'm healed. Did nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's something in my heart, you know exactly what I want to say. And that is this, that I want to pray for each and every one in this church to have victory over themselves, over their flesh, over their minds, and to step into God's plan and to cut out anything that is in conflict with God's plan and God's word so that we might live the abundant life. For there is a blessing, there is a flow. There is a river that will never run dry. There is a place of rest and peace. It's on the road of faith. It's straight and narrow. And some so easily depart because of serpents on that road. They try to distract people and get them off the road and off the track. But avoid those things that distract and be attracted to God. As the word then says, and you will search for me and you will seek me and you will find me. If you search for me with all of your heart, there is a way. And it's the straight way of the Lord. There is a way with endless, infinite amounts of blessings every single day of this life, brings all these struggles to an end. Once the decision has been made, give us the strength to stay in that way and help us to overcome our own vessels. For all men of sin come short of the glory of God, the saving grace of God has appeared to all men Help us to control these sinful nature bodies. Because once we have the victory there, we can walk with God. We really like Enoch, we can walk with God. Disregarding everything else that distracts and focus. When you see me, it'll be to you according to your desire. And he saw and he caught the mantle. Let it be an aspiration at the time of the Pentecost we build up to it for every person to find that new level. What I spoke about tonight is like abiding. It's like, it's a revelation of the Spirit. Just how serious do you want it? How serious do you ever even desire it? 
And so the fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. It's the beginning of wisdom. And so, Lord, help your people to stop compromising with sin. Help them to stop the nonsense that goes on. Even in immorality, stop it, cut it out. And get back to holiness in the fear of the Lord. And let them all have the revelation of the holiness in the fear of the Lord that comes from God and God alone can and strengthen each one's faith. But I pray tonight that the impartation, if I be a conduit, then let this conduit release that anointing for victory in the lives of these people. Because I know that the moment it's God's plan and God's plan or plans of God only is the day that we don't counsel anymore is the day that everything happens the way it's supposed to be happening. God's plan for our lives. I pray for those people in this place that have not been feeling well. Even tonight, if you haven't felt right, just raise your hands right now in the name of Jesus. Did not feel good. Stick your hand up to the earth. Now just receive this in the name of Jesus Christ. I release the power of God towards you. If your hands up, I release it towards you. And I break the power of Satan against you. Command those spirits of torment to get out of here. Go! Let your work be abandoned forever. In Jesus' name, spirits of torment. Let God's people go. Let the wrath of God be upon you and the fire of God burn against the enemies of God. Let there be a ring of fire and the glory of God within every heart. A ring of fire of the Lord surrounding everyone and the glory of God within everyone. And the voice of the Lord becoming clearer like it was in the New Testament time. And Father, I pray for financial breakthroughs. I pray for favor. I pray for people have healing in their marriages, healing in every dimension of their lives. Let them walk the walk. And let them not only say I'm a Christian, but live as a Christian. I thank you for that in Jesus Christ's name. Healing and restoration. In the name of Jesus Christ, all God's people said, Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.